<laughs> Don't you ever get antsy, itchy feet? Where's there to go? Fiji. <laughs> Where the hell is Fiji? Near Florida? See here? Yeah. This is us. <laughs> and all the way around here, Fiji. Mm. You can't get any further away before you start coming back. You know, there are still islands in Fiji where no human being has ever set foot. Whew. So, when are you going to go? It's not that simple. at this Warriors game. <laughs> Let's hope we fucking beat Sac- Sacramento. Um, all right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 122 of Vague Zone. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I'm your other host, Daniel. And today we are starting off a new theme run. Last episode, we wrapped up our coverage of wealth and we rolled the die and the die we landed on man playing God. And so for that, we decided... As a group, we decided our first film was going to be The Truman Show, mm-hmm. 1998. So, Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb for Peter Weir's Truman Show? Sure. An insurance salesman discovers his whole life is actually a reality TV show. Nice. Thomas, what is, uh, what's your history with The Truman Show? Ooh, I think I might have a burp. Um, I bet I don't. Go um, ahead. Burp in the mic. Don't want to do that. That'd <laughs> okay. be bad. Um, I, it was it's like a movie I've seen frequently, but never all the way through. I think this is like the first time I've seen like the first two mm-hmm. minutes of it. Usually I catch it on TV or HBO. And it is one of those movies that if it's on, I will watch it and just like dedicate my next like hour and 20 minutes or so to watching that movie. Um, I, I really like it. I think I'm a little biased with it. Um, I know that we talked about Eternal Sunshine a little bit ago, mm-hmm. a couple themes ago. We talked about how that is like a, like probably one of Jim Carrey's best performances, best movies, as far as like a dramatic turn. But for a long time, this was that movie for me because I felt that I didn't quite relate to the romantic aspect of Eternal Sunshine, even though Eternal Sunshine, Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind is awesome for filmmaking stuff and for filmmaking tricks and for weird shit like that. I think you you get some cool reality bending stuff here too. And I, I think, um, if I just edge out and be my, my personal favorite between the two, as far as like dramatic turns for Jim Carrey and like these sort of cerebral kind of movies, I fucking love this movie. I'm a little biased when it comes to, to talking about it. Um, it was one, I felt like I didn't have to write any notes down for it because I've seen it so many times and I know it pretty well, but while watching it, I found myself focusing on something I didn't really focus on, on multiple viewings before. So I thought that's kind of the hallmark of, of a great film and something that is always present in movies that are awesome. Like this is like, there's stuff to go into and review. And as far as thinking of the theme, uh, man playing God, it's, uh, that part comes in like pretty deep into it, but it's uh, generally the whole idea is like, yes, this we're watching a man like in a petri dish. The entire thing, the entire world that he lives in, has been molded and made around him. So he's just he's just being he's a puppet in this world. He's being manipulated. So it's very tragic. Uh, but I think it's just such a great movie to watch him break out of that. And him that him is Jim yeah. Carrey doing one of his best performances. So I think it's just a great movie. What is your connection to Truman Show? Um, so I'd only seen it once before this. Okay. Um, and in my mind, it's always just been, you know, this sort of, uh, satire staple, uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in film history, especially like, you know, nineties film. Um, and and it's sort of like a groundhog day kind of movie where it's just, there is this movie that represents this specific thing, the specific concept, this idea, and it executes it very well. Uh, and it becomes an instant classic because of that. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the same connection with it that I had something like Groundhog Day, where I've watched that. I mean, come on, that's named after a holiday. You're going to watch it all, every fucking year. <laughs> yeah, and oddly <laughs> enough, I still haven't seen that movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, luckily, it's, it's one of the poster movies, so it's going to get done before this year's over, for sure. <laughs> um. So, yeah, watching it this time, I remember... 
back in the day thinking, okay, this is a send up of reality television. You know, I don't know if Big Brother was around this era, but I remember, you know, early internet, it, it was sort of novel, this idea that, um, you know, people would be broadcasting their lives 24 7 onto the internet. Yeah. And now we live in the era of, you know, Instagram and TikTok and YouTube blogging and every and Twitter and everyone is broadcasting yes. their life at all times anyway. Yeah. Um, and so watching it all these years later, I think as an adult too, it feels like what really struck me is that it feels like it's, um, it's just a critique of the prison of modern life. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely. not, it, it's like, yeah, you are playing with this sort of this simulation and like what is real thing, this existential sort of, uh, you, you know, movie. But also it's just, it, it, it's a lot like The Matrix was also sort of a critique of, you know, what are the systems that do yeah. uh, keep us in place, like capitalism and stuff like that. Uh, Definitely. Like the Truman Show, that there's a point where, they're using stuff like we got to pay the bills. We got to pay. We got car payments. You know, he has this marriage. He has this house. He has this job. All of this stuff is restraining him. All of this stuff is keeping him from breaking free. Yeah. Uh, whether he's in a simulation or not, like the stuff that he accepts as his reality is still a prison. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I feel like I, that really stood out to me a lot more, I think, because I, my job has been <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of a drain on me lately. I feel uh, like, yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, I, I really dig the movie. I feel like I don't really have it much negative to say about it at all. Um, For sure. It's really, I really love the way it's shot. Uh, I, I used to work with someone who would, uh, was a script reader. And they said an early draft of the Truman Show came across their desk and that they'd read it. And initially it wasn't, they, they, they would always talk about like how great it was. They were like, yeah, initially it wasn't supposed to be that you knew from the beginning it was a TV show. Oh, wow. You were just like <laughs> along for the ride and like, what is going on? And slowly you start to put the pieces together and then it's this big reveal. Um, I feel so like I wonder how so that would be so much more manipulative. <laughs> it so much yeah. more heavy. And like, I'm reading like the Wikipedia page and it says, unlike the finished product, uh, Nicole Speck's script was more of a science fiction thriller with the story set in New York City. So that's interesting. But um, Also, um, I think it's worth mentioning, this came out a year before the 1999 comedy rom-com EdTV, which is mm, a similar yeah. concept. And you brought up Big Brother. The, uh, Big Brother first aired in the UK like May 2000. So it's still it's oh, like, yeah, okay. like two years before that. Um, I wonder if they got the idea from these movies. Yeah, maybe. Wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't hold it against it. Yeah, but there's just so many things in this movie, yeah, that like ring eerily true about stuff happening right now. I think the one that the most that gets me is um there's a uh, like this whole gag of Truman's wife selling products and sort of using mm-hmm. that to be like a deflective way to get around God. these arguments. Every time he brings up Fiji, she's like, Oh, like you should like think about getting pregnant. We're going to have a kid or also like think about this new lawnmower or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then yeah, later on when they're interviewing Kristoff and he's like, yeah, like everything on screen is for sale. And that's like, that's 100% true for this influencer life kind of going on right now. If you remember, the uh, Aubrey Plaza film Ingrid Goes West in that movie Elizabeth Olsen's character is an influencer and, and her yeah. goal in that movie she's like yeah I want to have a house where everything is inside of is for sale and I think it's just like mm-hmm. it's so interesting that this movie is just like so spot on about those things and just like it just does it in a way that's just like not too creepy and it does have a lot of humanity in, in it like I feel like this movie could be so much more uh, darker and grim if it didn't have this like kind of slapsticky Jim Carrey performance at the center of it. And also like just uh, like Laura, I think, yeah, Laura Linney and Noah, uh, Noah Emmerich are like really great mm-hmm. as like uh, his wife and his like best friend respectively, because I, I didn't realize like how much heavy lifting they're sort of doing to provide like, to like a sense of like realism and comfort for him to sort of act against because all yeah. of the stuff he's experienced is just like, I was, I was like, admittedly, it's 420. I was kind of stoned earlier when I was watching this. And I was just like, this show, like the Truman Show, must be like miserable to watch because like... That's what st- I was thinking. Yeah, they're, like, they're stamping out his dreams. Like they're doing flashbacks, like reminding you of girlfriends and plots that 
have been erased from this man's life. So it seems kind of sadistic. And like everyone's like, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to fly there. You just want to have a kid. Everyone's kind of just watching like, a man be crushed. Yeah. And I'm just like, this would be miserable to watch. <laughs> it's like, how could I mean, like, there's probably some interesting stuff in between that. But overall, like watching this day in and day out would just be crushing. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it's, I mean, we want to we want to watch something that's going to give us hope, right? Like, why is everyone so intrigued by this? Yeah, because it feels like they're living within a similar monotony. Like, we have like people working at a bar, or like some guys working security. Like, yeah, not the most uh, well security, not the most stimulating job. Working at a bar or a restaurant, you're probably gonna have some fun. But um, well, yeah, but it's a Truman Show bar. <laughs> but yeah, like this is their escapism is just like watching someone sell life insurance. <laughs> hey, I don't uh, know. But like I think about like right now, it's like the whole thing with kids younger than us, like their entertainment with video games is watching people play them as opposed to playing them themselves. Like, yeah. It's or like, mukbang. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just, that's even crazier. That shit's yeah. just like. <laughs> I had a coworker at uh, one of my old jobs who would have on a monitor just mukbang videos just like yeah. people eating and while he was working i was like what the fuck? yeah definitely uh put a, a trigger warning slash uh disclaimer just in case you if you're unaware of what that is don't just yeah. haphazardly yeah. <laughs> google that i mean so what mukbang is it's literally just people eating a fuck ton of food yeah like they'll have like a huge fucking table full of food and they're just devouring it and they're probably vomiting like off camera later yeah because it's the only way they can make room for like to continue making these videos without gaining a ton of weight yeah well like well there, this is the whole thing is like there's the the mukbangs from the east where there's like they'll do it they'll chew but then spit it out and then edit oh, that really? out mm-hmm. and then there's like the mukbangs of the west where like youtubers are like no like, i'll just put my body yeah, on it's the line live. yeah we're like, doing it fucking it, live it's like the, yeah like the whole range of emotions i'm like oh this is terrible and then i'm like oh this is actually really sad like this is like <laughs> like is that where we are with food right now or like we have just an abundance yeah. of it to we're where we're just watching self-destruct yeah i can watch a man i can watch a man just eat two million calories of food while i can just like go on the other side of this globe yeah. and it's just while like, <laughs> while i do my boring office job yeah <laughs> like that guy was a <laughs> yeah. reflection of this movie yeah definitely yeah holy shit but uh, yeah, what were you, what you were saying earlier about uh, everything being for sale now? It's like when social media started off, when Instagram was a thing, it was just okay. All your friends are on there; they're all experimenting with this square frame. Yeah. What are they going to photograph? Like, what are what are what are they going to fill that square with? Yeah, you got like and four sort filters. Of <laughs> yeah, and you're playing with all these filters. Yeah, the filters were like the big draw, and then now it's just like. I don't know what your Instagram's like. My Instagram is I'm mostly just following meme pages. Like I'm not like none of my friends are really posting. If they are, it's just mixed in with all these other meme pages. And then there's also like a bunch of ads. And also occasionally um, someone I used to know will pop up and they'll (laughs) be trying to sell something like this. This girl I knew back in my hometown, like she's like becoming a fitness person and like i don't know selling like some sort of energy drink (laughs) yeah someone i was briefly seeing who i met through tinder she's selling like like uh the fit girl lifestyle stuff like oh i I can get you your mind right and get your your chi right like your energy like an energy kind of coach and shit and it's like yeah like get that money (laughs) like you can find a way now it's it's just a hustle (laughs) yeah unfortunately um but yeah it's it's just crazy how like ahead of a time ahead of its time this movie is and like, yes, how depressingly it's, ahead of it yeah, <laughs> incredibly accurate but yeah i think you did mention how it like it does look great and i do want to mention that because i think one of the things that allows this movie to be experimental within the narrative is the whole thing is like this all started with one camera but like every year the technology gets better and we're able to put smaller cameras like on buttons and shit to where we can fully be immersed in Truman's life. And because of that, Mm -hmm. we get crazy weird angles sometimes of like, it'll be like it's surveillance shots. It'll be a lot of shots like vignettes that are like, Oh, someone's button, someone like really close to him, like a fisheye kind of thing. Or it'll be like above, like, like in the hospital, it'd be like, we're like above camera. But also there's one shot where he's like sharpening a pencil and we like, we go inside of the pencil sharpener. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's a weird shit. Like there's impossible sunsets where there's like the, uh, surveillance, 
moon always present in like the beautiful sun. It's just weird yeah. psychedelic shit going on. In this. Yeah. It's really cool that it feels sort of like you're, so I, I was thinking about this in relation to end of watch, which I brought up yeah. uh, maybe last week, like end of watch introduces a camcorder into the narrative. And, like very early, it's just one of our main cops has a camcorder. And so you sort of feel like this is a found footage movie, mm-hmm. but then it's just, it's not like you're, you're seeing from camera angles that aren't a character holding a camera, uh, but they are still shot in that like handheld style. Yeah. So it's really, it's, it, it's this weird thing where it's, it's introduced narratively justifying this style, but also breaking its narrative <laughs> justification yeah, in some yeah. sort of weird way versus the Truman show where it's like, it's kind of doing a similar thing where okay we know these cameras are narratively justified it's a reality show however we also know that there's a world that exists outside of this reality show and we have to portray that world so we're portraying it just you know standard camera setups that you would expect from any movie uh and so i think the the collision of these two ideas make it function a little it's an easier pill to swallow when you're in Truman's world and it's not necessarily following the, uh, you know, solely surveillance, uh, reality TV camera style. Yeah. Um, it's like, because yeah, it's, there's multiple layers to this thing and we're allowed to move between those layers freely. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned that it makes me think of the moment with this whole thing, Rob, Rob, revolving around his dad returning and like them playing this up as a narrative. And I feel like, yeah, that's when the the movie decides to finally take the full step back and to like really let you into the world of Kristoff and like his like control center essentially that's take like set mm-hmm. in the moon but i think it's really fascinating that like at that peak where we spend this entire hour essentially with truman up until that moment where it's like oh we could stay within that moment for that really big emotional catharsis but instead we zoom out and they were just like yeah. okay now cue the music play, play the music now do this do camera two and, he, and he's like should we go in the close-up and he's like no fuck you're dumb you're an idiot we're not, we're not going to the close-up yet like here you know, like, I, I really enjoy that like it it could be this really big moment but then it's like nope like it's all now it's all about the artifice and i think it's just really well done the way that they sort of they wait until about like an hour in exactly to to really make that switch happen well there is this idea i want to say like my buddy zach was talking about it with um musical composition where it's like, yeah, he said he had a um, professor who said writing music is about building an instrument. Mm-hmm. And the idea with that is you are establishing a system uh, and you are exploring all of the ways that that system can operate, everything that is possible within that system. Yeah, yeah. And the climax of the piece should be you transcending that system. You... Uh, you know, I, I've I've created the box. Now I'm going to think outside the box and cause you to uh, understand this system from a new perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that is kind of what is happening. Like this is a climactic moment within the narrative of Truman, yeah, who is yeah, inside yeah. this box, and then we transcend to <laughs> outside of his box, looking into the box. Yeah. Uh, we are now with Kristoff. Uh, that it's Kristoff, right? Yeah. Yeah, and entering his world and his narrative a little bit i think it's appropriate segue to to ask like how do you think this sort of fits into the man uh sort of man playing god thing i think it's a weird like reversing because we spend so much time with the person being affected by the man Mm -hmm. playing god that like once we finally get that we don't we we do spend enough time to sort of understand kind of his his ethos and what he values and everything but like as far as that goes, like, do you think we get enough of that? Or do you like, there should be more? It, I, it's interesting because it's like, okay, it's a story of a man who is victim to man playing God. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, if we talk about um, this being a critique to modern life and all of the systems that keep us imprisoned, those systems are created by men. <laughs> like, they're created. Like, uh, (laughs) it is people who uphold these, uh, oppressive systems. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, man is playing God all the fucking time. And 
I don't know. We're yeah, we're destroying ourselves. I guess. Oh, actually, I, I wanted to mention. You asked like what like my feed is like, and recently I've been like kind of manipulating it just because like I just want to have fun with it. Um, and so the two bits of content I've been liking more of is golf content and like '90s wrestling content. So it's like, hmm. like every time those two things come up, I just make sure I like those the most. And then yeah, within like a week, Instagram's like, oh yeah, you're like a total golf bro. Like here's like all here's a bunch of golf memes. I've played golf once in the past like ten years of my life. Uh, but yeah, it's very, very malleable and very easy to do these things. Um, yeah, I tried to manipulate my feed, liking a bunch of just like retro game stuff, a yeah. bunch of like CRT stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Critical Race Theory. No. Yes. <laughs> before <laughs> the Ray Tube. <laughs> yeah, before they erase it, before it gets <laughs> deleted. Um, yeah, what do you think about like the reality bending stuff? I think when I was younger, that was the the aspect of the movie that drew that like, I was drawn to the most. I think the most iconic image is Jim Carrey's Truman on the beach and this singular pillar of rain falling down on him and following him oh, around. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy that gag. Um, yeah, uh, what do you think about that? Like, it's aspect? a little cartoony. Um, yeah, we see. I think the first thing we see is just a light falling from the sky. And it's like, how could this light possibly be doing <laughs> this one sale? What is this one light doing? Hey, it's film. Um, you got to trust the gaffer. Yeah, we work <laughs> on film set. You got to trust the gaffer. They, they, they have a vision. Uh, yeah, it's a little cartoony initially, but it's not. It, I, like the cartoonishness doesn't bother me. I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's really neat. It's, ni- it's neat to feel like... Um, this shit is barely holding together. Yeah. That it is just some guy pulling levers and shit yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, to make all this happen. Yeah, very Looney Tunesy. Um, yeah. I really appreciate how um, I don't want to call it primal, but just like how like basic the prompt for the best friend is. Just like if something's going wrong, just show up with a six show pack. Show up with a six pack. Yeah, <laughs> just like just show up with a six pack. It's like, hey man, you should probably like get your wife pregnant or something. Just like just it's like focus on those two things. Really yeah, that's <laughs> the one thing I remember my parents being really amused by when I was a kid. Yeah, that's great. Um, and also, I really, I don't know why, I love the the gag of when he's, when they, I don't know why they choose the gardening to make that, the the, the scenes where we're going to get him goofy, but yeah, like put him like this in this red yeah. and mustard yellow outfit and have his butt sticking up. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> very weird to me. It feels a little out of place. It's like I don't think we really need this. Yeah, I don't yeah, I think maybe that's just tapping It doesn't contribute into, anything. Tapping into the nineties Jim Carrey mentality, maybe. That's um, just how I read it. What do you think of the romance plotline? Um I, the I find forbidden it, romance. The one that's like forbidden. Yeah, I find it like really manipulative and sadistic because I, I was thinking about like how I watch or how we watch TV shows now, like prestige dramas, like imagine something like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, where you watch a new episode and they'll do the recap. Like, okay, last week we this happened, but sometimes that recap could be literally something that happened one episode away or something that happened at the very beginning Several, of the series. Yeah. The the point is they're trying to remind you of a plot of something that is going to mm-hmm. be resolved. They're getting this, you up to speed. This, yeah, yeah. Um, they did on the Mandalorian. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, but so here, it, like, he goes into his basement. And he's like gushing over his like his old lover, like this sweater, and then we do this flashback. But like, I was again, I was thinking, I was like, this seems really sadistic because it's very clear that this woman is never coming back into his life. So why are we like? Why is the audience being put through this like flashback to watch this? Just to, like, oh yeah, like remember this woman like that like Truman fell in love with and then we just completely erased out of his life that just seems incredibly sadistic to me um that's what yeah. I was kind of focused on in the, the meta sense of it I mean I think it's it's definitely romantic that he's kind of like trying to recreate her and rebuild her best he can through like magazine clippings or whatever and he's just like has this whole it's very creepy <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it's creepy yeah it's but, like making a little like doll or something yeah I don't know. There, uh, yeah, there's a lot of like eeriness to like the masquerade aspect of this movie that like it I think the slapstick and the the goofiness and the cartooniness help it be like it saves it from being just too dark. Like one image really stuck with me this time is when they're like they're looking for Truman and they're like okay, everyone just wait at uh 
uh, your uh, Mark One or something, and it's just like the entire town is just like frozen in place, just like waiting for him to like return. Oh yeah, it's just the image is like yeah. It's like it's surely like, they could just like be looking at their watch and like having yeah, a chit chat. <laughs> yeah, in the in the film world or the acting world, they call it business when you have your actors doing something. It doesn't have to necessarily be doing something big, but just do something that makes your character look like. <laughs> no, but here on uh, on this island, they're all just frozen in place, just waiting for this their one man to return. And I don't know, it's just really, really dark to me. But I love it. Uh, something I've been thinking about was... Okay, so there's a point in the movie I was looking for the quote where Kristoff says, there's no more truth out there than there is in the world I created for you. The same lies, the same deceit. But in my world, you have nothing to fear. I know you better than you know yourself. And then Truman has a great line. You never had a camera in my head. But uh, it's Kristoff's line that I find really interesting because... What does happen to Truman when he exits this place? I feel like considering he had a show all about him that billions of people watch, the world will kind of continue to revolve around him for some point. Um, He's not going to exit and be an anonymous person. He is going to live this very different life. And even if he manages to get away from that different life, where will he find himself? Does he settle down, get a job, get a house? Yeah. get car payments <laughs> like what does that life look like yeah they i feel like it kind of hints that like maybe that old flame will search him out and sort of yeah they'll definitely. be able to have some sort of reconciliation there but yeah i think yeah that sort of it helps it plays because it helps play into the the poetry of this movie it's a uh i want to make sure i'm accurate but i feel like yeah it's like a nice 90 minutes yes 100 minutes so yeah it's just like it's not very long and i feel like yeah it just ends at a very concise place where it doesn't really it leaves that a mystery and i think that's a a nice way to leave it because it's probably not pretty on the other side of that wall yeah but i want to bring up that scene i really fucking love the sequence when they like find him on the boat and like just the whole just like okay like we're gonna bring the weather in and like the whole biblical storm slash Noah kind of imagery kind of going on. Um, and then he crashes into the wall and we have this like breakdown where he's like smashing against it, but the camera's behind him. And I'm like always obsessed with just like the choice to sort of be behind him on like at this heightened moment of his character having like this entire world shattered, but we only get like very small glimpses of his face. The one thing I did not like about the boat scene because it really stood out to me is he's basically being drowned by Kristoff. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we kind of think he's dead or like dying. And then we cut to a man in a bathtub watching all of this <laughs> yeah. and like holding on to his curtains. And it's like, I don't know if we need this undercutting the drama of this scene. Yeah. Um, you know what that reminds me of just because of uh, this was a part of, uh, formidable <laughs> Thomas's life and filmmaking and shit. I think it was, this was like around the time, like I was watching Joe Dirt, like early two thousands, and that's an aspect of that movie. He's like retelling his life story for those who haven't watched Joe Dirt. He's retelling his life story on the radio, but I think that movie also cuts to like people listening in, essentially, mm-hmm. and kind of just being like, "Oh, don't do that," or kind of like reacting to the details of the story. And I always thought that was a a, a nice, fun way to kind of just show us what the the, the, the audience is listening and the, yeah it, it, it's it's cool here um I, I do like the idea of like a truman bar and that there's kind of like an economy revolving around this tv show yeah anything else on truman show um yeah um during earlier on when things are kind of cracking at the seams and he's running around um, I want to make sure I get the name of the place right. It's a uh, Sea Haven. Is he's running around Sea Haven, and there's these, like he runs by these two arches, and on the arches, this like omnibus something. Um, I don't know what I. I'm not going to read the Latin, but essentially the Latin on those arches is, translates to all for one and one for all. Um, and I just thought that was an interesting, interesting choice, kind of tying huh. into the whole um, man playing God thing. And I think. 
one other detail I latched onto this viewing was the sense of like nobility that they set they have at the beginning where they're like, yeah, like people like fall asleep and watch like watching the Truman Show, which I think people do that now, like Futurama sleepers and people love watching TV and falling asleep. I'm pretty sure there are Twitch streamers who record themselves going to sleep. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's another (laughs) another strange reality of social media. Um but yeah, I just think yeah, it's fascinating that there's like the sense of nobility of them being like there's pride in being like, oh well this is like a more pure form of entertainment. But like I said, at the end of the day it's just like the bad plots, amnesia and like these characters are awful. So I think even like there's a sense of nobility that I I, I do see in media these days, but it's still at the end of the day like it's just consuming stuff and so it's hard to be noble about consumption essentially so something that reminds me of something i i did write down which is that uh about the forbidden romance i feel like that part of the movie is kind of uninterested the the more uninteresting part for me um because i feel like seeing truman trapped in this world and getting paranoid trying to understand what's going on and trying to escape it all of that is really intriguing and we feel like we're right there with him. Uh, we're rooting for him. We're we're alongside him. Yeah. Uh, but the forbidden romance thing that is, it feels like that is the only time he's having an interaction and an exploration that isn't tailored. I mean, I guess like him trying to break free isn't tailored, yeah. but he's trying to break free from a reality that's tailored. Yeah. Uh, like the the forbidden romance is him just having an organic experience a raw an organic human experience and it is interesting to me that that is the least interesting part of this movie for me interesting uh, yeah uh, yeah hmm. yeah i love it i'm glad we chose it sorry glad yeah. this was chosen uh yeah it's one of those movies i revisit quite a bit um, yeah it's really really good i'm glad <laughs> to rewatch it yeah yeah uh, what have you been watching this week? Uh, so I rewatched Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Okay. Um, when did this movie come out? Because two thousand and one, maybe. Came out ninety eight, same year as Truman Show. Yeah. Um, but this is a movie I don't know if I saw it in theaters, but I did watch it all the fucking time. I was ten. <laughs> yeah, I've never I watched seen it. it. Huh? I've never, you never seen, seen it. it. Yeah. Dude, I watched this movie all the fucking time. Um, and so rewatching it now as an adult, I haven't seen it in years. Um, but there's a scene when like a woman picks up a machine gun and it's like in slow motion and it is very like burned into my brain how cool I thought it looked. Like, because every time the gun fires, like her whole body shakes, but it almost looks like it almost looks like she's like stop motion because she's like rotating she's turning as she's shooting but like there's a shake huh. every like trippy half shot it's it looks really interesting to me um but yeah there's like m- musical cues that are like burned into my memory and like i don't yeah. know it's it's a it seems like a very inappropriate movie for a 10 year old boy to be watching for sure but, um, no, that's why I, br- I brought up guy Ritchie when you mentioned uh, end of watch because i was like i feel like yeah older guy Ritchie was always like very specific and potent like snatch was the one that uh, we watched a lot snatch i did see in theaters and i remember thinking it was better so i i want to rewatch that um because I, because when I first started rewatching Lockstock, I did have that feeling of, is this movie good or is it just it was late '90s and we were all <laughs> like, is it going to hold up or is it going to be kind of cringy? But um, I think it actually holds up. Okay, sweet. I I remember it, it being thrown around that guy Richie was going to be the next Tarantino and stuff, and and then he married Madonna, and I think maybe <laughs> that just kind of screwed things. Up. I, I don't know. I don't want to play Madonna, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, his career, yeah, it was kind of wobbly. Yeah, that's um, why I say, like, a movie like The Covenant is really fascinating to me because it seems like a very paint-by-numbers, like, Michael Bay kind of movie, but it's, like, I don't know. I, I trust Guy Ritchie to be able to do something competent out of that story. Honestly? Well, I saw Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some of Aladdin. I didn't see all of it. Um, I was going to say, I don't think I've seen a Guy Ritchie movie since Snatch. Um, um, the last one I saw was Sherlock Holmes 2. Yeah, I haven't seen anything since Snatch. I, I watched 
I watched like half of Aladdin just to see what it was like. Sherlock Holmes streaming. was dope because he had like the slow motion fight scenes. He'd be like, All right, I'm gonna deuce how to like break this dude's arms. And it was like, just like, this, yeah. is, this is so barbaric. And I love it. I love every second of it. Like, it's so extra. Yeah, I'm curious to rewatch Snatch. I know Snatch is basically lock stock. Yeah. It's just instead of a card game, it's a boxing match. Instead of guns, it's a it's a diamond. Yeah. The the card game even in Lockstock takes place inside of a boxing ring. And I didn't <laughs> realize until the rewatch. Um, so yeah, I watched that, and then I watched. I also watched the little. Uh, uh, ashamed to admit it, I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. It was horrible, dude. Not Did you see it? No, I haven't. I've been okay. out of theaters. I, it was it was like. <laughs> early in the movie i was like this is trouble it's the only it's the only movie from illumination that i've seen um i saw a little bit of one of the sing movies at like a thanksgiving where some kids were watching it and i was like this sucks (laughs) but yeah super mario brothers movie uh i'm trying to like put into words why it was so bad it was just really (laughs) unpleasant um it has a ton of needle drops that's like why at, at some point they go to knock on the door of the Kong clan. And I hope they're not called the Kong clan, the Kong gang. I think they're a family. <laughs> the Kongsters. <laughs> I, I mean, well, it's a huge like tribe. Yeah. Um, but uh, they go and knock on the door. This guy answers. He's war- uh, this guy, this uh, gorilla answers wearing a white suit and he's going to lead them to Donkey Kong, I guess. Or, <laughs> um, so he loads them up into his, his cart and it starts playing Take On Me. And it's like, why is it Take On Me? Why is this happening? Uh, there's so many it, it there's so many moments in this movie where it's just you feel just like the shittiest people sitting around a table in like this boardroom. Just being like, ah yeah, and then it starts playing uh, Take On Me. Yeah. yeah, and then uh uh what else can happen? Oh, there's a character that's uh, depressed the whole time. So okay, so the the very end of this movie. This isn't narrative ending. This is like the narrative is completed. The credits are about to start rolling. The movie ends and we get this character that's showed up early in the, earlier in the movie and what delivered these lines about like waiting for the sweet release of death and stuff. And it's supposed to be humorous how dark this character is. <laughs> okay. They show up at the end and they're like, they say something about, oh, it's over. Uh, doesn't that make you want to play the saxophone? And then they start playing the saxophone. And it's like, there's never been a saxophone in this movie until this point. Why is this? It feels like this is a reference to something, but nothing that has happened in this movie. Um, Maybe a Mario deep cut. I don't know. It was baffling. Uh, yeah, Chris, there's, there's a moment where like, oh, oh, another thing that happens in this movie, the power-ups, they just call them power-ups. There's no narrative justification for why eating a mushroom makes you larger. It's just like, oh, it's a power-up. Eat this power-up of the mushroom, and it'll make you bigger. If you get hit, you get small again. It's like they're just announcing game mechanics, uh, not even trying to be clever. Gotcha, gotcha. They have him, Princess Peach has him do a, uh, what do you call it? an obstacle course, which is just, you're just watching someone play the game at that yes, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, that was, I remember that part being... One of yeah, one of the parts of the trailer being like, okay, like if if you're not into this, then you're probably not going to be in, like because you're not going to be into it. Because I feel like essentially it feels like there is a Mario movie in the lexicon, but if it is a bizarre vision for a Mario, it is very creative, but it is a bizarre vision for Mario. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like this might be a course correction too far in the other direction, mm-hmm. where it's just purely the game like put on screen yeah but with like i guess wackier characters and yeah um early on so early on it starts off they're just two plumbers in brooklyn uh there's some crazy plumbing issue in new york (laughs) catastrophe and they're like we're gonna fix it you know this is gonna be our big break you know because they're trying to get their business off the ground Uh, they go underground and somehow they end up in this like pipe that takes them to the mushroom kingdom um and it feels sort of i I was trying to be you know generous to the movie i'm like okay this is kind of like spirited away you know they just go to a tunnel stand up (laughs) on the other side and everything's fucking weird like cool like totally fine um and i feel like 
that's kind of how the trajectory of the story is. It's like, yeah, cool, totally fine. Like this, you know, sure, he Luigi gets kidnapped. He's got to save Luigi. Bowser wants to marry Peach. Uh, you know, she wants to get rid of Bowser, whatever, whatever. Um, but the whole trajectory of the story feels fine. It's just it was so poorly written. And gotcha. it reminds me of um, uh, on I forget. I think it was F this movie, the podcast one of the critics there was talking about some other kids movie and they're talking about how, how much they hated this kids movie. And someone was <laughs> like, it's a kids movie, dude, relax. And yeah. he was like, shouldn't we want what's best for our kids? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of how it made me feel. I was like, don't kids deserve better than yes. ha- just having <laughs> fucking like, like, Oh, so we talked about Mitchell's versus the machines recently. And my like criticism of it is that it feels a bit formulaic, a bit bit cookie cutter. That movie is astounding compared to <laughs> what for I sure, thought. For sure, for uh, sure. Yeah. And I, yeah, I I would love if this movie was just some you know cookie cutter level satisfying, but it was just. I feel that. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. Here at Vague Zone, we recognize <laughs> the the artistry of something like a Paddington too. <laughs> yeah, when it's like, and that is yeah exceptional. Like I don't expect that from every movie. Of totally. course, but yeah, once you understand that you can have the movie operate at that high capacity. And also, it's still like a very family-friendly, fun movie that, yeah, it's everyone can enjoy. There's jokes that are smart. There's jokes that are lowbrow. There's, uh, you know, it doesn't happen. So, you you don't have to so, sacrifice these certain things. Certainly, it was so bad. <laughs> it I mean, was so you, bad. Your review has only made me want to see it more. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll say it and you'll be like, dude, it was fine. What are you talking? About? <laughs> yeah, like the jokes weren't that funny, but yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I, well, I'm yeah, I'm already just way too forgiving when it comes to stuff. So I'm I was like to embarrassed more, to be in that theater. I'm trying to be <laughs> like, a little more critical. Don't you don't need to be. Like, I want everyone <laughs> to have a good time. Like, come on. I feel it. Yeah. Um, All right. What uh, What have you been watching lately? Um, went down to L.A. Went with a friend to see a, scre- a midnight screening of Kill Bill Volume Two mm-hmm. at the New Beverly. The New Beverly is Quentin Tarantino's personal theater. So this was a a 35 millimeter print from his personal selection there it looked absolutely gorgeous on 35 he, millimeter he had his own movie in his personal it's pretty collection. great pretty great pretty great um yeah I, i'd never seen I'd never seen any of those movies in theater so and mm. it's cool because i was a big fan of the first i'm still a big fan of the first one i think the first one's incredible um uh, and that's the one I tend to rewatch the most because mm-hmm. it's just such a satisfying action movie. And the second one is just like a, a slow burn and a, a cool down from just the insanity that happens in volume one. And so it was interesting kind of sitting down and watching this one, having not seen the first one in a couple of years. And um, it's great. It's, it's an awesome movie. Michael Madsen is like very good. Uh, I think his performance in that like elevates it a lot. He's just like really like tender and quiet and like sneaky and like it's like really like absolutely, like I really adore like his addition to that universe because from just your your foot is on the for volume one your foot is on the gas the entire time mm-hmm. just, but from the time you meet Vivica A Fox's character to the to the point where uh Lucy Lou's dome gets sliced like it's yeah. it's, it's, it's a fucking it's loaded <laughs> with ideas you yeah. get the pussy wagon in there you yeah, get the anime, fucking anime yeah, scene anime yeah. detour and so yeah the second one is just like we're going to slow things down it's just going to be like cowboys kind of samurais talking to each other um the very fantastic sequence of them burying the bride in the coffin alive and her like breaking out and all this stuff is fantastic um highly recommend that movie uh, is, ha- is gordon Liu as the like sort of yes kung fu master and second yes okay. as pai Mei. that's my only criticism i wish there was more in my in my memory i was like oh there's way more of this stuff but it kind of goes by really fast mm. and i was like fuck like i could have used another 45 minutes of them just like training and him yeah. him berating her in yeah Cantonese. my memory that was a large part of the movie um it's still great it's still i think it actually it's nice that it doesn't overstate its welcome it kind of just um it gets to the point pretty quickly and i think that is my criticism for like later tarantino films is you do a lot of meandering for things i don't think are worthwhile um, and you spend a lot of detour time and, and screen time doing things that I feel like are, are just like this feels offensive and like a waste of time to me. But that's besides there's the like 
uh, moments in the first Kill Bill where that I just hate. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and it's like there's plenty of like great stuff, excellent, excellent, excellent stuff in that movie. But I rewatched it recently, and I was like, I, I like there's just these moments where it's like Quentin Tarantino thinks this is really fucking cool, and I just don't. For sure. For um, sure. Uh, silly rabbit tricks are for kids. Okay. That line, I was like, "Fuck! Why are you doing this?" Gotcha. Uh, yeah. The Charlie Brown stuff, I <laughs> like. So Charlie Brown, there's a moment in Knocked Up where one of the characters has a beard. It's not a moment; it's like an ongoing thing. One of the characters has a beard. I think it's Martin Starr. Have I talked about this on here? Uh, I think so, maybe. <laughs> like, because I think about this a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's like Martin Starr, Starr has a beard, and then the other characters are just making jokes about his beard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the filmmakers gave the character a beard just so they can make jokes about it. Yeah. It's like a, or it's like a comedian walking out on stage in a funny outfit and being like, I know what you're thinking. You know, did this guy yeah. just walk out of the circus? It's like, dude, you wore that costume yes. just yeah, so yeah. you can make jokes. Like, yes, I don't know. There's something weird about that style that doesn't, yeah. that rubs me wrong you know also and i uh, will put an asterisk over all of this saying um i'm still very much looking to watch lady snowblood i want to sit down and watch oh, that because yeah. i want to like lady snowblood see, thread. yeah get, get the the real experience um but of course mentioning yeah uh total la moment um yeah down in los angeles seeing the new, seeing this movie so me and my friend we sit down i go back up to go to the bathroom and as i'm walking through the lobby i pass uh quest love <laughs> from the mm-hmm. roots uh, yeah yeah and that was fucking bizarre because i'm I like your story about yeah, that. this guy is like it's one thing to meet like a celebrity or a famous person or a musician or any person who you don't really care about but when you meet someone you're like oh like this is someone i actually care about you want to make sure you do something you don't fuck up and so i was just like i'm a big fan and just kept walking and make sure i said something. <laughs> yeah. big fan blow, don't want to bother you <laughs> didn't want to blow it up but i was like if i don't say something i'm gonna go to the grave <laughs> very angry at myself for not saying anything but it was cool yeah. being like oh yeah like me and quest lover watching kill bill like in the same room together yeah so yeah, i feel like it's hard to not say something stupid <laughs> when yeah. you're like oh, i gotta say something to this person yeah and then, because yeah. then it's gonna haunt you the rest of your life. Like, why did I say that stupid thing? Yeah. Oh, my my buddy. Uh, gosh, what's this guy? What that guy? What's that guy's name? Uh, I want to <laughs> say Lamar from uh, fucking Mad TV. Bill Lamar. Oh um, yeah, Bill Lamar. Yeah. My buddy met him at. Oh, we were working. Um, artist transportation at Outside Lands. Nice. Yeah. And Phil Lamar was there. And my buddy had been like driving people around. It's fucking cold. <laughs> like he's tired. Uh, and then, oh, and like it's a very common thing for just like people when you're driving around to be like, hey, can I get a ride? Hey, can I get a ride? Just yeah. like festival goers. Yeah. And so my buddy like finishes dropping someone off at a stage. He's like parked there. And then someone's like, hey, can I get a ride? And he's like, I'm on my break, dude. <laughs> and, then, uh, and he like looks at the guy and he realizes it's Phil Lamar. It's like, oh, and he's shit. like, oh, I'm sorry. And then he like walks away. And then um, and he's like, oh, shit. Like, I like I just yelled at Phil Lamar and he was such a nice guy. About it and like, apologetic. It's like, oh, no. And so, just yeah, yelled like, at Hermes from Futurama and every yeah. other amazing, <laughs> my, my entire childhood. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, so that's like something that haunts my friend now. And like I think he like crossed paths with him recently and he was like, Should I say something? <laughs> <laughs> like, <apologize>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's hilarious. Um the only uh, I've met some famous people randomly. I remember like running into Craig Robinson in LA and getting a picture. This is like MySpace era, which I still had that photo because he's like on the phone, clearly just like annoyed. But I'm just like, eh, and just like take a picture yeah. with me. But um recently, this is just a Bay Area uh noteworthy thing. So the rapper E40, he has a cousin by the name of Be Legit. Be Legit was in his group. Uh, he's he's a dope dude, dope rapper. Um, recognizable if you're if you're a Bay Area hip hop fan. And he was at a restaurant, and this was at a time in the day where the restaurant was empty. It was just me and this dude, and so he was at the bar waiting. And I go up and I get some food, order beer. 
beer shows up, order some food, food shows up. As soon as my food shows up, he gets up pissed off like he's been waiting for his food. And so then for the next like 30 minutes or so, he's just like pacing in the back of the restaurant, like like frequently like asking the waiters, like, where's my clam chowder? Where's my clam chowder? And I was like, oh, I was going to say something before this uh, food incident happened. But now that my food has arrived before his, I am now the villain in this situation. And now <laughs> yeah. I can't say anything. And so I was just like, fuck, like I could have said something nice. But now he's just like, pissed off that i have clam chowder and he doesn't <laughs> um i remember in 2007 brian posein <laughs> and Patton oswald performed at coachella and i got a photo with each of them nice. where like something i would do was like i would just like make us like a, a s- awkward face like i didn't realize the camera was being <laughs> taking yeah. a photo like i just like kind of like a disgusted like face and uh, each each of them, like, I didn't even prompt them to do it. I was just like, hey, can you take a photo of me? And then I, like, make a stupid face. And then they would notice. And then they would make a stupid face. Yeah. So I had these, like, <laughs> great photos with these two comedians. And then uh, my girlfriend, who I was dating at the time, we broke up. And I think those those <laughs> photos just disappeared oh, with her. Oh, no. So, yeah. Those photos went with her. It's a shame. Damn. Brutal. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. Oh, the old, the old photographs. If only yeah. we can find a way to <laughs> yeah. bring them back. Yeah, it's like uh, I, the first celebrity I ever met was the singer Neo. I met him at the Sun Valley Mall at a Hot Topic. And I don't think I know Neo. He's, uh, it's another. <laughs> Unless I'm spelling it in my head wrong. N-E-star-Y-O. Uh, oh, okay. for the, Okay, yeah, Neo. This is, yeah, this is back when the... The, the shirts were baggy. <laughs> the shirts were baggy, and this, this, the songs had snaps in them. Um, yeah, and my friend was like, just go get a picture. And it was just very random. And yeah, I wish I could have that photo because it, it would make you get mad Instagram points with that shit now. But RIP. I think, you know, some things are just better left. RIP Neo. <laughs> He's doing great. Um, so who. Which which movie are we gonna um, watch? I have my choice ready to go. I don't know if you have one. I have a choice. I'm like kind of between two, so maybe we can just go with yours. Okay. I figure it out. Yeah, my mine was splice. Splice. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do splice. Um, also, let me think. Next week I can record. The week after that I'm gonna be traveling. Okay. So. Figure something out. All right, I think that might be it. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, vaguesonpod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or theme suggestions, let us know. You can tweet at us, at vaguezone. All the blue checks are gone. It's crazy. I went on there today. There's, really? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, okay. it's really strange. Oh, yeah, there's no more blue checks. Well, there's there's some. That's like, funny. There's, the paid, there's <laughs> just the paid ones. So, yeah, you can tweet at us on there. Really? Now, now it's the Wild West. <laughs> In this, in the the last days, the the ship is sinking. So wait, notable <laughs> people don't have blue check marks anymore? No, it's weird. I, like, yeah, it's I, only paid subscribers. Yes, yeah. It so is. now it's just like, how could it, how could you be taken seriously <laughs> if you have a blue check mark? Yeah, we're in. We're very much. We're in the post truth phase. We're in the post news phase. Post post everything. <laughs> post blue check era. Post sense. Post rational. That's funny. All right. Uh, yeah, well, this has been episode 122. We'll see you next week, or when we'll see you whenever we see you with Splice. But I'm Thanks. Thomas. And I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening. Listening. Listen.